0: Welcome to the Ivy Church Podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer. Listen to my cry, for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down. With wave after wave you have engulfed me. You've driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. I'm in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wonderful deeds? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? O oh Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. O oh Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? I've been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have paralyzed me. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long. They have engulfed me completely. You've taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend.
1: I'll never forget being told by a Coptic Egyptian monk that Psalm 88 is a psalm that is very precious to the, uh, the orthodox church. Um, he showed us the tattoos on his hands that, which were put on there, two crosses, at his ordination, and the reason that these monks would do that was to say that no matter what happened to them, they would never be able to deny their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and this, this was visible evidence that they were people of the cross no matter what. But he said that this psalm, um, to a people who've been through so much pain and oppression, as indeed they now are again at the hands of Isis there in Egypt, um, was very precious to them. And um, the the consolation that God would allow it to be in the Bible. I don't know what it was that the sons of Korah had been through. We don't know. We can only uh, guess the, the horrors that might have been seen that would cause them to pen this. But basically it starts with anger and frustration. It it rails against God and heaven and everybody. Um, And it doesn't get any better. It doesn't start with praise. It it doesn't finish with a false hallelujah. It's uh, just starts low and is in a minor key all the way through and then remains very low. And I'm glad that God didn't say, well, we're not putting that one in the hymn book of the church because a week like we've seen this week, we need a psalm like Psalm 88. And I I read through that psalm as we sat in church the other night as we opened up Ivy and we've had it open throughout the week on a number of occasions right the way through for people to be able to come in, our own community and people from the city to be able to come in and sit and pray and to be able to ponder these um, tragic and terrible events as a result of the atrocity that took place at the manchester arena it changed everything for our city i believe this uh, horrific event and um, and uh, the aftermath of it is going to continue um i always find something to thank god for the fact is that when you have fear coming in as the predominant emotion and often that's the narrative that we're being fed more and more Um, because fear is what continues to keep us watching. the only antidote to fear is gratitude. And so I also, at the same time as as recognizing the reality of the situation, keep trying to hold in mind things that I can be grateful for. I'm so grateful for our city. I'm so grateful for the way that Manchester has come together. As Zoe and I tried to get into Manchester to get to um, the town hall and Albert Square and to be able to be there with so many others, we couldn't even get there because the streets around it were packed out. Instead, we went to Audacious to a gathering of um, hundreds of other people from lots of churches and we prayed. And we prayed with Thanksgiving and it's been so wonderful for me to be able to do what I can and what we can to pray for and encourage people in our own community who've been right on the front line of helping in these situations. It's interesting to me that here at Ivy, we have people that are involved in, in helping and con- connecting with the police, redeeming our communities, etc. have been doing a wonderful job. I know Deborah has uh, to encourage the chief constable and others. At the same time, we've got, got uh, medics at the very senior level and right the way through who've been at the, at the forefront of the most terrible um, situations. And uh, you know, I wouldn't even go into the details of things that have been described to me in terms of the, the, the war zone kind of injuries that have been dealt with by some of our people at uh, the MRI and uh, at Stepping Hill and um, at South Manchester and just so many uh, hospitals around the region. So I I think we should honour and thank these people. Many of them won't be in church today because they're on 12 hour, 16 hour shifts, just continuing to work around the clock to save life and limb at this stage. Um, some terrible tragedies that have taken place and and uh, I want to pray for, for our, um, our police service and for all of those that are uh, supporting and bringing com- communities together at this time and I also of course want us to pray for the families of those who've been directly involved in this and indirectly this is something that touches all of us and um, at times I'm sure we've all been in tears as we've heard heartbreaking stories um, beyond belief of um, just families that have um, been devastated by this tragedy. I can't talk about it. I won't be able to film if I do, Um, but you know what I mean. At times like that, I found myself from when the news first came to me, when I woke up, uh, praying at times with clenched fists. Praying with anger, praying with anger at the injustice uh, of the murder, the murderous spirit that would drive somebody um, to be able to do this devastating act, this horrendous, barbaric, evil um, action against the innocents. And, and um, actually, it's all right sometimes to pray with a clenched fist, because that, the Bible says that our battle, and it is a battle, is not against fle- flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers. And so we can do that kind of a battle, and we can take our authority, and we can pray, and we can pray that every evil connection everybody that is um is giving support or encouragement or help to these evil perpetrators of these despicable crimes these cowardly horrendous acts would be rooted out and would be brought to justice so it's good to pray for justice it's good to pray for those in authority it's good to pray for breakthroughs it's good to pray for for um God to get behind our police services and intelligence services at this time and to root out every evil um, that would continue to be, um, these people continue to want to hurt us. So I want to pray that justice would be done and we need to be praying for that as well. And, and so I, I do pray at times with my, fen- my, my fists clenched. And we need to continue to be vigilant ourselves personally as we're walking around, not to be um, fearful fearful. Um, but to be wise, uh, and and that's why across our sites we're gonna continue to be vigilant and we're going to be uh, implementing more safety for you in our different venues as we meet and uh, you may have noticed even today that there's, there's people around that are just keeping an eye open for people that we don't know and we'll ask you to be careful and wise with regard to uh, things that you're bringing into church and do you really need to bring that bag in etc and just so that we're, we're meeting in public areas and uh, at a time of heightened national security it's wise and right and proper that we ourselves should as we meet not be as i say fearful but sensible and that we should be looking out for one another and uh, and and i'd ask you to be very supportive of of uh, right across the sites of of um of, of increased security measures that we're putting in place for your safety and if somebody asks can you look it in a bag then the answer yes is yes please and if you can't handle that then please don't come for a while we want people to come though. We want people to be here at the church and not to be fe- uh, fearful, but to be faithful and to be. I- I'm grateful if you're here today, because if you're here today, that means that you love this church. It means that you love this city. It means that you love being part of what God is doing among us. And you believe that as well as uh, justice, we can be praying uh, for mercy. And uh, that's harder to pray for. Um, but the one thing I know for sure is that you can't pray for that with clenched fists. The fact is you can't do much in life with clenched fists. You can't live like this. Some people exist like this. The people that have perpetrated these crimes exist for now like this, Um, but I don't wanna live like this. And it's when I sat in church and I prayed with my fist clenched that I looked at the cross and I saw there Jesus Christ hung on a cross for us and that his hands were pierced with nails. And as a result of that, grace comes to me. And so that's the grace that opens up my hand. See, whenever anything terrible happens, we always have a choice. You can get your fist, you can even shake it towards heaven, and you can uh, rail against God. And like Psalm 88 shows us, God's big enough to take that. And if that's where you're at today, then go for it but make sure that he's beating on your father's chest. Make sure you know that he's not some distant and aloof God who doesn't know how you feel. Um, in the, in the um, aftermath of the 9-11 um, tragedy, Tim Keller gave a, a sermon um, which was um, broadcast around the world and was uh, from that city of New York where he, he leads uh, the Redeemer Church. And um, the, the, the words of that have proven a real comfort to me In these last uh, recent days, he says, um, it's on the cross that we sufferers finally see to our shock that God now knows too what it is to lose a loved one in an unjust attack. And so you see what this means. John Stott puts it this way. John Stott wrote, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could one worship a God who was immune to it? Yes, we don't know the reason God allows evil and suffering to continue. But we know what the reason isn't, what it can't be. It can't be that he doesn't love us. It can't be that he doesn't care. God so loved us and hates suffering that he was willing to come down and get involved in it. And therefore, the cross can transform you. It can give you strength. And the strength I needed was to open my hands and to pray, and to say, God, this is Manchester's 9-11. Please help us uh, in our hour of need. And then as I was praying that, I realised that I couldn't stay just reading Psalm 88 over and over again for very much longer. And I went to my favourite psalm, and I know for many of you, it'll be your favourite psalm too, which tells us about a God who does care. There's a time when Jesus looked at a city, and he He himself wept over that city, and I believe he'd been weeping over Manchester in these uh, days recently and He said that the tears were falling because they were he had compassion on the crowd there and 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 whenever he looked at the the crowd like that, he said he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd, and that he wanted to he wanted to gather the city underneath his his arms like a like a mother hen would gather her chicks together and This is why I ended up thinking about God as being my shepherd and I moved back in the Psalms to that um, Psalm 23 and let's read that together now.
0: The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name.
1: Psalm 23 verse 5 talks about God preparing a table for us. It talks about our shepherd coming and anointing us with oil. And that's that's something that they would do in those days. We know from the words of Jesus that they would do to, to brighten themselves up to be able to uh, to put a, a, a shine back on a face that had been downcast. And this is a person who's been through the valley of the shadow of death, but they're saying God has taken them through that valley. He's met them there. He's been with them in that valley. And now he's laying out a table, a banquet, a feast for them. And where does he lay that out? He says, right in the presence of my enemies, where all the enemies can see, I celebrate. Where all those people that would be against me, um, some of them will hate that. The fact that, you would, that we would celebrate the goodness of the Lord who is our shepherd today, no matter what, in the presence of our enemies, in the face of our foes, we will celebrate our saviour. And we'll continue to do that. We'll continue to, 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 to sing of love and to sing of grace and to sing with joy no matter what. We will not let them take that away from us. We'll continue to, to pray and to intercede for our city and for these broken and lost people. Together we will do the most powerful thing that we can do and we're never more powerful than when we're on our knees or when we're standing and praising from a full heart and and that heart that's got some gratitude in it for for those people that are helping the people who are hurting and uh, that's how we overcome but the other part of it i was challenged the day after was with regard to walking around again because i could feel that when you are when your fists clench something happens in here and your heart starts to clench too And a few weeks ago, I was walking through Euston Station in London, and I saw a man who looked to be dressed as an Orthodox Jew, and he had a sign that said, free hugs. And I made a beeline right across that busy platform. I was just rushing around like everybody else and just gave him a hug. And in a moment, it was a sacred moment for me. And no words were spoken, but I felt the smile of God upon me. And that night as I went to bed, I began to think God was saying, I want you to go and do this. And we've got a lot going on as a family. And at this time, we've got various um, things with um, father-in-law being ill, etc., and hospital appointments. And, and, but I kept thinking God was saying to me, I want you to go and hug somebody. And um, so as I went to the, uh, the gym the other day, I was just pulling up outside and saw a couple of young Muslim guys. And I could tell from the beers, etc. I went to them and said, excuse me, are you, are you two Muslims? And they stiffened up and they squared up. And they went, Muslims, yeah. And I said, "Oh, good! It's uh, it's hug a Muslim day," and their faces changed, and their their appearance changed, and their body language changed. As my body language was open to them, and um, and I gave one a great big hug, and then I went to the other one, and gave him a great big hug, and the, I could see it meant such a lot to them, and they, they they were smiling, and they said, "Thank you, thank you for doing that," and we just had condolences together, I suppose, for this terrible thing that's happened to everybody in this city who, uh, who stands on the other side, away from, because there's basically, there's evil and everybody else in this. And um, so I made that Hug a Muslim Day. And I just asked God for opportunities to do that. I went into the gym. I ended up talking with a young guy again in the, in the changing rooms. I ended up hugging him. He said, this means so much to me. I hugged a woman in the, um, as I spoke with her in the canteen. She wasn't a Muslim, but it seemed that she was tearful and upset and, uh, and she was working in, in the uh, cafe there. And I, I hugged her. I went around and hugged a few more people. And then I, read a, a, I saw some things on Facebook and there's so much hate opportunity at the moment. And somebody uh, down the timeline was connected to something else. And there was a video of a, a guy who'd come up here from down south for some reason. Well, I'll tell you what the reason was. It was to incite hatred. And he was standing outside a mosque not far from here. And he was standing outside there and pointing to the enemy within. And he was inciting me to hate those people. He was saying, these are the people who are going to come and destroy us on the streets. And it's time for us to rise up and to be able to fight against them. And he seemed very worked up about that very sure that all of these people had to be condemned, had to be hated, had to be kicked out of this country immediately and that hatred was so um, clear on his face and that inspired me not to do what he wanted but to do something in exactly the opposite spirit and so I found out um, when the evening prayer time was I'd already gone earlier in the day and I'd put a note through the uh, the, the door of Didsbury mosque, which is the mosque where this um, evil young man had um, ha- had occasionally uh, visited in the past. Um, and I went to those people and I stood outside with a sign that said, um, you know, we're from Ivy Church, we're on the same same street, we're in the same city, we share the same grief and I'm here for free hugs. and um, it got the numbers up quite considerably. There were um, men who walked up in, in fear and trepidation. There was police officers there, there were reporters around, um, but there was, there was a, they, were, they were worried about what would this sign say and had I come to, to incite hatred against them. And then when they read the sign, they, th- these men would say, hug him to the little boys, hug this man, hug this man. And, uh, and the, the little boys weren't too sure, but they gave me a hug anyway. And then the dads gave me long hugs. And then I spoke with um, a, a man in tears. He was uh, just recently retired, a consultant, an Eastertist. And he said that he'd been talking to so many of the Muslim um, doctors and nurses encouraging them. They're the people too that are helping in this situation. And the police officer, one of them who was standing there too, he was a Muslim man and uh, I talked to him and he went in for the prayers and then after the prayers was invited in and sat with them for about an hour and chatted about this uh, together, about this situation and how bewildered and uh, astonished they are. And they roundly condemned this, uh, this atrocity just as much as you and I would. And um, I'd like to encourage you if you want to. I'm going to go again at four o'clock today to Disbury Mosque. And um, they always on a Sunday have an open hour or so. And I'd love it if a bunch of us went. And we just um, respectfully went to their place of worship. We don't have to worship the same as them. I don't believe in Islam. I'm not about to change my religion anytime soon. Um, But that doesn't mean that just because I don't like Islam doesn't mean that I don't love Muslims. And so I'm going to go and just... If people want to talk, I'll talk. If people want to listen, I'll listen. And if people want to hug, bring it on. Um, Because the way we win is going to be uh, hugs, not hate.